You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Mike Pretz, Kat Kalin, Jason Dickinson, and Brian Colt. Robert here from Interest in Military. Tonight we have Scott Johnson, who is the founding member of the organization Veteran Owned UK. Their mission is supporting veteran-owned businesses from the UK and allied countries, and they provide members of the public with a user-friendly directory to locate veteran-owned businesses. They're really trying to encourage the growth of networking within the veteran-owned business community to improve businesses and develop contacts. Be sure to check them out after listening to the podcast by going to veteran-owned.uk. First off, I want to welcome you, Scott, to the show, and uh, we've got Brian Cole on from uh, KCSL, Keep Calm, Save Lives, uh, also as a host. First off, Scott, you know, in, in looking at your past history, I think it's really important maybe to kind of give an overview of that military life and some of the things that you did within the military, because you joined at a very young age. I mean, like me, I joined at 17. I think that was about the same time frame you joined as well. Yeah, that's right. I was, um, I just turned 17 uh, when I joined, so when... When I actually um, uh, took the oath of allegiance was before my 17th uh, birthday. Um, and I joined the British Army on what was called um, uh, a junior leader scheme. So uh, designed for Royal Engineers uh, and those with trades to, to join up at a younger age. Um, and then basically you go through your basic training, um, combat engineer training, and then your trade school. And then when you eventually hit the... Uh, the real army, if you like, um, you're kind of coming up into mid 17, 18 year old. So you can join from 16 uh, right up to 17 and a half as uh, as a junior leader, um, and to, to get them in young, get the trade uh, courses done, uh, and then release them into the real world and in, into the real army. Then yeah, that's much different than here. Of course, in the states, you can join at seventeen with parental consent. You mentioned it's sort of like being a junior league, as if it's more entry level, or it's a it's a program specifically targeting that group of individuals. And sixteen is very young to be joining the military. And I know we've had some uh, British Army or British military, whether it was the Marine, Royal Marines, and those types of things, where they came in very young as well, fifteen, sixteen years of age, and that seems like a really early age to be making a life decision, like joining the military. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the college in England or in the UK. This the um, the last two years where you did go in is considered what most people do as college. Um, the the junior leader side of things is um, kind of like college because you do your, your trade training. So I'm uh, I'm an electrical engineer by trade. Um, so you, you do your trade training. So that's kind of college level I, education. I guess my question is, what is everyone else at your age group doing while you were doing that program? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the kind of the education system in the UK finishes at 16 year, uh, years old uh, in the UK. Okay. And you, you can choose then to go on to college, which tends to be two years uh, to do kind of A-level uh, qualifications. But not everybody does that. So you don't have to do that. It is mandatory. Um, you can go on and do college and then go on to university and get a degree if you wish. You could do an apprenticeship if you wanted to trade. Or you can go and get a, a job and, and start working kind of from 16. So I guess compared to yourselves in the U.S., we're, we're kind of two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah, right. Than, yeah. than you guys. 
That's a great point yeah, well, of reference, and I'm glad you brought it up, Brian, because that, that is a, a big difference. You know, at 16, again, you're still very young at 16. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I really thought, thought that I was 17 and a half and was really young to be joining the military, let alone doing it at 16 years of age. Right. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre situation to be in, you know. I mean, you, you're making a decision to, to join the military, which is, you know, all the potentials that come with that at 16 years old, yet you, you can't even legally... <laughs> drink yet you know and i know <laughs> yeah. we're a couple of years ahead of you uh, in the in the states but uh, we're, we're 18 in uh, in the uk to drink but yeah 21 <laughs> in the states yeah yeah, yeah so a big so, difference there yeah absolutely so you know you, you you're picking to be in in the military in which whichever branch you choose and, and yet you you can't even go and have a, a beer to celebrate your your passing out and becoming a fully fledged soldier i know isn't that crazy you know and back in the day it used to be 19 years of age or drinking age and then of course they changed it to 21 later on and such and and i i remember hearing a lot of people talk about that that very subject you know hey i'm old enough to join the military yeah i'm not yeah. old enough to go have a drink in a bar you know it's kind of crazy i can go defend my country UK is a little bit different as well because isn't there a program for like the Royal Marines where they even join earlier than that, or is it also the British Army? Yeah, I think I think at some points you can kind of join at uh, at fifteen. That's what uh, I thought. Yeah, with, with parental consent well, and uh, and going in um, kind of into the military um, via some kind of trade training. Then they don't release you into the the actual military uh, at that kind of age. So I know now we've got. Um, um, like a military college now where um, kids can go pretty much straight from school. And, and you know, I, I call them kids because at, at 15 years old, you, you really yeah. are still a kid, really. So, um, you know, they, they can go to um, a military college uh, and then they do some, some training there. And then the idea is that they join up into the, uh, the, the fully fledged um, uh, Army, Air Force, uh, Navy or Royal Marines from there then. Hey Scott, what did what did your peers think about your choice to do that early enrollment into the military? What was their outlook on you for for doing that? As in my civilian friends, Brian, or yes, the, yes, the yeah. civilian friends. Um, it it was a a bit of a, a bizarre choice, really. I I I, I don't come from a, a military family or anything like that. I was I was the first one, other than my my grandparents, uh, my grandfathers, who both fought in the Second World War. Um, and I actually had a, an apprenticeship with um, a civilian company, the, the local steel uh, company, British Steel, as it was at the time. Um, so I, I was doing mechanical engineering, and I, I actually went over to uh, our local city with my friend who who said he wanted to join the Marines. So I, I went over to Swansea with him to, to go to the recruitment office and for him to sign up, and I was sat in the recruiter's office, and one of the... Uh, the army recruiting sergeants come over and started talking to me. Next thing you know, I'm signing a piece of paper. <laughs> and, and my friend actually didn't join up. So No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So and you let him get back in the car? To... How the hell did you do that? I wouldn't have let him I get know. back. Yeah, I'd have drug his butt back in there and go, no, 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 no. This isn't happening, you know. They, they, they used to have some some really good recruitment videos um, in the UK uh, with this this guy called Frank. And Frank was always off windsurfing or abseiling or he'd walking on a beach and, and everybody thought, well, that's, you know, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I'm, I'm, I'm a young lad and that looks good and I'll go and do those things. And I don't think I ever got to do any of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a really good uh, sales commercial right there. I don't think they have those kind of commercials here. 
Oh, man, that's crazy. And I know those people that went into the Marine Corps, I thought was the same thing. They couldn't actually do much when they were at the early age until they turned like 16 or so. So even if they were at 15, there was limited capabilities that they were able to do. But how long did you end up staying as electrical engineer? And did you end up doing other things, other trades within the, uh, because I thought you did some EOD time as well. Yeah, so um, the, the way the Royal Engineers work, you, you kind of have a, a primary trade and a secondary trade. So my primary trade was electrical engineer, um, and then you, you have a, a secondary trade. And some people do uh, driver, some people do signaler. Um, I ended up going EOD. Um, the, the, there's, there's a whole range of other trades you can have. Um, so obviously, as a Royal Engineer, everybody is a combat engineer as well. Um, by, by trade. So once you do your basic training, you go straight from basic training straight into combat engineer training, uh, which is another 10 weeks. Um, uh, and then the idea is then with the junior leader program you, that you go straight on to your trade training. Um, mine didn't quite work like that. I, I had a little stint in Northern Ireland for uh, about nine months, 12 months in between my combat engineer training and my electrical training because there was no spaces left at the time. So I got released into the uh, the, the real world and then uh, went back to my trade training twelve months uh, down the line. So, but um, but yeah, so primary trades and secondary trades, and that's how I ended up as uh, EOD, uh, which has got a novel story to it actually. So um, when I when I went to Northern Ireland in between going um, on my trade course, I was in a, a unit called Three Three Field Squadron. Now, I went and did my trade training, which was 10 months. And at the end of the 10 months, you get to pick um, where you want to go to to which unit. So I thought, well, I enjoyed my time in Northern Ireland. So I put down to go back to 3-3 Field Squadron. Um, that then goes off to, to Glasgow. You, you pick three choices, basically. So I put down first choice. I want to go to 3-3 Field Squadron, back to my uh, my old unit. Uh, it goes up to Glasgow. The people in Glasgow decided that I wouldn't go to 3-3 Field Squadron, but the 3-3 Engineer Regiment, which was the EOD Regiment. So I kind of <laughs> fell into that one by uh, by luck, really. So Did they not read I, your writing correctly, or was it just... Uh... <laughs> I think it's a, a little bit of luck of the draw. The, the, <laughs> most people kind of put um, the, um, what we call in the British Army, the Gucci um, tours. So um, Cyprus uh, is is normally a favorite. Uh, so that was my kind of second choice, uh, and then that's that's where Frank's hanging out. It's Cyprus. Yeah, that's right on the beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, I I obviously didn't get Cyprus, and, and they just looked at the first uh, two two numbers rather than the the entire um, unit description and just picked three three. Wow. So you end up spending now, did you spend all eight years with that same unit? Because you spent a total of eight years in, had a couple of deployments, I know, to Northern Ireland and then one day Afghanistan, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, I, I spent just short of six years with EOD. I did eight years in total uh, in the Army, uh, but the, the bulk of it was with um, EOD once I, I did my trade training. Uh, like I said, I did a, a, a small stint uh, just short of a year in Northern Ireland. Um, uh, in between my trade um, course and leaving basic training. So, um, and then with the EOD, then I, I did a, another operational tour of Northern Ireland, uh, a tour of Afghanistan, a tour of the Falkland Islands. Um, so, none of the good places Frank went to. 
Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I'm sure he has a tan, and you probably didn't. Yeah. So, uh, where about in Afghanistan did you end up serving? Kabul. Oh. So I was there um, just after um, the conflict started. So we we got there early January 2002. So. Oh yeah. Uh, early days. Yeah. Yeah. Most, no doubt about the G. What we call the GWAD days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, so after that, you decided to make a transition out. I guess at some point you just kind of had enough. What was it that kind of drove you that, hey, I, it's time for me to go ahead and make this transition? Um, getting married, actually. So I'd, uh, I'd been with my girlfriend a while, and, and we decided that we were going to get married. Um, and I, I, I'd seen so many of my, uh, my friends in the Army at the time get married um, and stay in the military and those marriages not last very long yeah, yeah so i decided you know you, you, i either need to make a go of being married or need to stay in the army and it was kind of a decision to, to pick one or the other um so decided to get married uh, and come out and uh we, we're still together 14 years just gone in december oh, congratulations so, thank you very yeah. much yeah that's very good so, so after eight years, most you know people and stuff. They when they make the transition, they're very much like I said, regimented and those types of things. And when it when it comes time to make the transition, um, it's difficult for them. You know, the, the private sector, the civilian side doesn't really understand the military. And you know, for many of the folks that we've had on the show that came from the UK and made that transition, they found it equally, if not more, challenging because the civilian side really doesn't understand, in many cases, the trades that you guys bring to the table, the training that you've received, and it's not really translatable. Yeah, I mean, it, you get institutionalized. I, I guess is is kind of the word for it, you know. And especially once you get past kind of four years and inwards. That's a long enough period for you, for you to be institutionalized into the military and the, the civilian world that you left uh, when, when you, you got on the train to, to go to basic training is, is long gone. Um, I think the British Army or the British military in particular and from the guys I've spoken to in the States, you guys have kind of the similar, uh, a similar problem. You, you don't really get much help when you're leaving the military because you, you've got to great range of skills from leadership skills planning skills project management skills um you know fitness skills trade training but they don't help you translate those military um words and descriptions around those skills into the civilian side uh, and, and what it means you know and when a lot of people come out and they go for their first job interviews or they write in their CVs. And, you know, we, we, we kind of had no help at all. We, we had one kind of lesson, what we call a resettlement package, where they teach you, you know, this is how you write a CV. And then when I, when I was out of the military and was putting in CVs for, to try and find a job, uh, I actually had a, a recruiter come back to me and say, look, can I give you some advice on your CV? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for anything, you know, that, that'll help me get a job. And he said, just start from scratch, rewrite it. It's it's really badly laid out. It doesn't mean anything to anybody. Yeah, it's um, crazy. And yeah, and and so I had to go and see a you know a civilian friend who who'd been for a couple of job interviews and said, look, let's have a look at your CV. I kind of copied that format over. So even the things that they do teach you, they're not teaching you them very well. So we 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 don't give people any assistance really and then any help and prepare them for going out into the the wide world. And for me, it was kind of a case of 
Friday I was still in the military and, you know, I'd packed everything up, put it in the back of my car and, and drove off camp and, and that was it. It was Saturday morning waking up and you was just an, another person in the big world and you wasn't part of that comfort blanket that you have around you in the military because, you know, you, you know at the end of the day you're having your three meals every day, you've got a roof over your head and it doesn't matter what you do with your pay, for example, on payday, you could spend it all in one hit but you know you're still having your three meals every day, you're still having a roof over your head, your, your, your job effectively is on the camp you live on, you don't have to worry about transport and fuel, and then all of a sudden now you're in the civilian world, and you've got to start thinking about those things for yourselves, you know, and where you're going to live, and how you're going to pay your bills, and I didn't even know about council tax, you know, for for, us, for your house, you, you have what's called a council tax, uh, and I didn't know about how to set that up, and I just bought a house um, and I didn't know about those type of things, you know, so you, you got to go and luckily I went and asked my mother and, you know, how, how do I do this? <laughs> uh, <and she laughs> good, good old man will, will sort you out uh, uh, and tell you how, how, how to live. Scott, one of the things that really stood out to me uh, when we met up in Cardiff was when you were talking about veteran recognition comparatively in the States yeah. and programs and kind of the connotation of, Hey, I'm a veteran, and then you know what, how people treat you accordingly, and at a business level or just individually, versus in the UK. And you, what you told me about, you know, you're fighting for that V on the ID card. Um, yeah, it's kind of like one of the first steps. You know, kind of like the step back almost. You know, we look at the education, how we're a little step back there, but it seems like in terms of that veteran side of thing and building, you know, the respect and the and the culture behind it. The UK is a step behind in that sense. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, Brian, I, you know, as, as we was talking about, I, I think we're 10 to 15 years behind where you guys are in, in the States. Yeah, I've heard that you a know, lot. Yeah, there's, we, we really are, aren't very good as a country with, with supporting veterans, you know, and, and there's a lot going on at the minute now with homeless veterans and the number of homeless sure. people that are, that are ex, ex-military um, and there's been a couple in the news lately because the weather's uh, particularly bad and cold uh, this time of year um, who've died living out in the streets and the fact that they, they've had no support from the military at all. And for me personally, I feel there's a, a bit of a misconception around the word veteran itself in the UK. And, and when you tell someone, you know, I'm a veteran, they, they associate that with you being broken or having PTSD and you know, because that's whenever you hear the word veteran is normally in those negative, um, that negative context as opposed to the, the positive context. And in reality, the majority of people that leave the military and there's there's quite a high turnover uh, in the military in the UK because they're reducing the numbers. So I've, I've read somewhere that there's there's, there's roughly 20,000 people a year leaving the British military. So for the majority of those veterans, they don't have any mental health issues. They don't have any physical injuries, and they're just leaving as as normal people who who are leaving a job effectively and going out into to the wide world. But people seem to associate the word veteran with with the negative connotations of it, and and think that you know you, you you're going to start a fight or you're going to um, have some kind of issue that if, if they talk to you in the wrong manner, you're going to explode and those type of things. And, and that's just not true. I mean, the, 
a lot of veterans, probably the majority of them are, are focused, they're motivated, they're, they're very capable people, they're extremely adaptable because it's one of the things that's forced into you in the military. Mm-hmm how to adapt to change, you know, and, and those are key skills in the civilian sector that that make veterans really good employees, you know, or makes them really good at starting their own business and having the drive and, and the work ethic of military people tends to be one of the best work ethics mm-hmm. you'll get out there, you know, they, 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 they're like dogs with bones. If you give them a task to do that, they won't stop until it's completed. Uh, and, and people often don't see that positive side of it, really, and just see the the negative side of things of what they what they see in the the minority of, of cases. And there's a lot of great charities in the UK that are doing great work uh, with with those people who who are uh, suffering with mental health issues or physical injuries. And you know, with, with myself, veteran old UK, we we openly supporting those people and uh, and trying to encourage people to to donate and um, support the charities. But there's also then, like I've tried to do with veteran owned UK, uh, owned UK the, the veteran owned business side of it that gets overlooked because there's there's a lot of businesses out there um, that are run by veterans. Uh, you know, whether it be from leaving the, the, the service yesterday to leaving the service 25, 30 years ago. So there's a huge number out there, but they don't kind of get the recognition for the positive efforts they're doing. Um, people kind of focused on the negative, and I guess that's human nature, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I think when we, you and I spoke on the phone, I, I think you equated it back to where uh, your period of time seems to be very much like it was in the U.S. during the Vietnam War, of how they treated the veterans and how they look at them there in the U.K. And there is, you know, it's so then it becomes more than just a 15-year. I mean, that's, that's a major gap because that's a yeah. perception yeah. and an attitude uh, towards the military. And back in those days, it was really two things that – um, the perception was of why people joined the military. Either it was because you couldn't get a job somewhere else um, or you got in trouble and the law told you the only way out is either go to prison or go in the military. Yeah. And so it, both of those were wrong scenarios or wrong, wrong ways to perceive military as they were coming back and especially that they were broken coming from Vietnam War in a war that many people in the, um, the U.S. didn't embrace. And mm. and I've I've read many uh, pieces of material over there in the UK where the attitude is pretty much the same way uh, towards the veterans uh, in the UK, and that's very unfortunate for you guys because then it makes it harder yeah. to change that narrative. You know, whether it's within um, the the general populace or within the government to try to help support better programs. Yeah, it, I, it is difficult. I mean, we we don't have maybe the 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 negative hateful side of things that uh, you know i've read about with, with the vietnam conflict with regards to the soldiers but certainly the misunderstanding of of military i think scott where here. do you where do you think that misunderstanding derived from was it media like reporting on certain issues and that kind of just got blown out of proportion i th- i think a lot of it is media driven brian certainly you know with with regards to the stories that are often printed in the media are the negative side of things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the media in general, I guess, or mainstream media. Whenever you turn on the news, it's 95% negative information coming at you, you know, is stories where things have gone wrong or somebody's been hurt, you know, and they may have it's that. It's more sensational. One. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they sensationalize things and, and it's, it's that shock factor, but they don't, they don't often have the the positive stories in a day 
how many things have gone right for people, how many people's mm-hmm. lives have been saved or anything. And I, I think that's kind of the, the, the story, I guess, with, with military as well and with veterans. You know, you, you see the negative side of um, the suicide rate uh, in, in the UK and, and the same for yourselves in the US. You know, the, the, the homelessness, um, the injuries, the, the PTSD, those type of things. And then when the public if they don't have much interaction with, with military uh, or veterans, when all you're seeing about that topic is the negative side of things, you associate that with everybody, I guess. And and that's where the problem lies for me. And that's why I, I kind of want to play my part, I guess, with, with trying to get the, the country and, and the government to catch up with you guys in, in the States. And that's why I'm linking up with people like um, John Crotech over at uh, Green Zone Heroes and, and Scott uh, with the Institute of Project Management and trying to create this worldwide web or network of veterans and veteran associations. And then a bit of cross-pollination and cross-learning and there's no point us trying to reinvent the wheel. You guys have been through it and, you know, you're way ahead of us. So we can take your learning points and not make the same mistake that you may have made when you were coming around to where you are today and, and try and get them into the government and say, look, this is working over in the U.S. Why aren't we adopting that? Why aren't we following those kind of things? Because we all have the same issues. You know, so the things that you were doing to help veterans with those issues, with things like the VA, with your healthcare, you know, the the post nine eleven GI Bill, with education and things, we we don't have any of those things. You know, we 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 have a national health service uh, where health treatment is free in in the UK, so that's slightly different to yourselves over there. But I know one of my uh, one of my friends when I was was still in um, in the early days of Afghanistan um, lost a leg. And when he was flown back to the UK, he was put on just a normal ward, you know, with with old men who had pneumonia or somebody who'd fallen over and broken a leg. And this guy, one day, he, he was on the ground in Afghanistan, stepped on a landmine, lost his leg. The next, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, three days later, four days later, the time he got back through the system. And you're on a ward with somebody who's mourning about the fact that they've had a cough for three weeks, you know, and that... that regime and regiment if you like of military life is completely taken away from you when you've been through a really traumatic experience anyway and mm-hmm. um, what what you want then is is kind of that normality of what you're used to with the military side of things to to kind of keep you going every day and, and that wasn't there you know and that's been very similar for a long time over here and we, we don't kind of have I know we haven't got the size that you guys have over in in the US, uh, and that may be a, a factor in it. But I certainly feel that as a as a country, we we could be doing more. Well, I mean, you know, you think yeah, what, what I really like about what you're doing, um, sorry, Rob, I got got this awesome thought. I'm probably gonna brain fart on, but I'm gonna give it a <laughs> shot. No, I'm just testing around. Um, no, but what I really like about what you're doing, Scott, is you're not looking back at you know at what has been done uh, as the veteran. You know, like the all-encompassing character that it builds and the drive, you know, as you mentioned, and, yeah. you know, what that person can offer. But you're looking forward to what can be done with them, you know, like where the veteran fits in society and what their role is. And you're like, you're transitioning them towards that. You know, you're, you're showing people and you're showing the media um, who needs to start reporting on this kind of stuff is, hey, look at this veteran who's doing this, you know, and making this kind of impact and like, that continual 
you know, spotlight on those people who are who made that transition and are doing those things uh, needs to become more normal and, and more talked about. And that's what I love about Veteran Owned UK. And, and you have helped me do exactly that. You know, in, in my transition, you've been linking. Well, Rob, you linked me up with Scott. I met with him in Cardiff. You know, contacts are coming out of it um, in that sense. But it's a it's a big thing that's happening uh, because of your vision. And Yeah, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you start looking at, uh, you made a comment a little bit ago about the the numbers and maybe the numbers in the U.S. are, are a little bit bigger or something like that. Sure, from from a total statistical amount or a, a number value in relation to the total populace, um, I think you'd probably find that it might be bigger uh, in the U- uh, U.S. versus the U.K., but as, if you look at that ratio between actually those who serve and, and the the overall population, it's less than one yeah. percent. It's about point zero five percent. So it's probably very much relational in terms of the UK. And then those who actually um, go and get deployed to an area like Afghanistan or Iraq or something like that, like today since nine um, eleven. Uh, in those cases, it's even a smaller number. And then you get those who actually saw combat. It's even a smaller number. So when yeah. you start breaking it down those ways. Uh, and then those who actually come back and have some kind of post-traumatic or uh, traumatic brain injury are even smaller than that, then then you're really painting a really um, – you're doing a disservice. You're painting a bad picture out there. And, and I can hear the passion that comes from you when you're describing about your – kind of your, your brothers in arms there and the things and the struggles that they're going through. So what led you to start building Veterans Own UK? And what was that transition like between the time that you got out and starting up as an entrepreneur – in developing veteran-owned UK, well, whew, I've I've been out. Uh, I left in two thousand and four, so I've been out thirteen years now. So I've I've been out longer than I, I was actually in serving, and and um, I've done various jobs in 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 my time in between then and now. And I've 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 owned a company, a training company, um, back in two thousand and eight till about. 2011 um so i had a, a little dabble if you like with with uh, being an entrepreneur and owning a business and setting up a business and running a business um but to how i started veteran old uk i was it, it was the day before my birthday and i was i was sat uh, looking on the internet and i i came across um uh, a u.s veteran owned directory basically uh, and I thought this is a great idea. So we must have something like this in the UK. And I'd like to be able to support veteran-owned businesses and, and put work there away. If, if I needed a service or if I need a product, you know, the first place I'm going to look is, is to try and support a, a fellow veteran. So straight back into uh, to, to Google and, and looked around, and there was there was nothing there, you know. So I thought that that can't be right. We, we surely we we, we got to be doing better than that. So I, I, I looked on a, a domain name uh, and bought the website there and then set up a Facebook page. Um, so within about three hours, I had the, the domain name bought, the, the Facebook page was set up and put a couple of um, pictures on there and sent it out to everybody in my friends list. Um, and I think within, within about four days, we had about 500 members uh into the facebook page yeah it it went quite quick uh initially um and i started building the website uh and we had a 
a little hiccup initially. I built the web, one website with um, one website builder, and I've never built a website before, so it was completely Googling one half of the screen how to build a website. You know, web, <laughs> While you're website designing for dummies. It. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as I was building it. So I, I built one website, and... Um, eventually pressed the wrong button and deleted it all oh, <laughs> and then and i went across then to a, a wordpress uh, based website then uh, because there's more um uh, ability to to change it and design it how i wanted it uh, and then rebuilt a second website uh, about three weeks after the first one uh and started that running so and you hadn't uh, even started the actual company officially with the government or anything at this point no it was it was <laughs> It was literally just an idea, you know. I think I think that's one of the things with with veterans. It, it's they bias for action, mm-hmm. you know. And if if you see an idea and you think this is a good idea, you move on it and you you get something started and you'll you'll figure out the details once once it's there. Because if if you don't make a move, potential is that somebody else will will do that, you know. Yeah. And, and we're very comfortable in that space. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, I, I think. As as a, a manager, if you like, in my my civilian career that I've had, when things are going to chaos, is is when I'm most comfortable with things, you know, and mm-hmm. and kind of sitting back and looking at the situation and putting a plan together and executing it is kind of where I feel most comfortable, and and that comes from the military side of things and the normal monotonous day to day writing reports and looking through computer systems and those type of things i you know you get very bored with them quite quickly and and you're looking for that um almost action you know in in a job sense if you like for for that something to be going on to to get your brain to kick up a gear and start thinking about a plan and how are you going to solve this problem so it's you know that that's one of the the key skills I guess that comes from a, a military background. One of the great things is that you've not only blossomed out within the UK and been able to help a lot of uh, veteran-owned companies. Now you're bringing in U.S. company products and merchandise into the UK that would have normally not been there because a lot of U.S. businesses don't see the opportunity, perhaps, or just don't want to have to go through all the trouble to try to set things up with the UK or even Europe for that matter, but there's a wide open opportunity because of how you're approaching things and trying to bridge the divide between veterans because we do all share a common thread. And of course, when you're looking at trying to support veteran owned businesses, this is where definitely you have a common thread because all veterans want to support other veterans or at least most uh, do, I would say. And uh, so when there is an opportunity and they see a place like veteran owned UK where they can have a directory like they had with the veteran owned here in the U S then it makes it real easy because then it's like, okay, well, now I know KCSL or Brian's breach pin and those types of things are possibilities. I see you just recently got uh, the, the guys that uh, from Combat Flip Flops. Yeah, Griff. Yeah, Griff and them, uh, which are really cool. Love those guys. And we've had Griff on the podcast actually in one of our early shows, as a matter of fact, and talked about being an entrepreneur and some of the challenges yeah. of being the transition. And one of the things he said that we use a lot in this podcast is your network is your net worth. And I know I've said this in the last few tapings, but that was one of the things that he said. And you just mentioned that very thing. And that's what it's all about is really establishing a very strong network. And that kind of network can then help uh, people who are coming off active duty that are also looking to be entrepreneurs. And they already have something ready made right there. They just jump in. Yeah, I, I think military people, from my own experience, really underestimate the, the power and, and the worth of, of networking because for, for me it felt a little bit like 
when I was in the military, your network was the 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 your troop team. you was in, the yeah. squadron you was in, and the regiment you was in, and everyone was within that that wire that went around the camp, and and that was everything you needed. So you didn't really have to have a network outside of that. But when when I obviously I've left and my civilian career um, and and LinkedIn in particular, you know, is a massive tool for for networking and how, how easy it is to connect with people. Um, you know, you just put in a business and it lists everybody that works in that business. So you could just look through, find the job title of the person you want to connect with, send a connect uh, request and a little message in there of why you want to connect. And, and in all likelihood, probably 80% of people you send that request to will, will connect and you can yeah, engage in conversation then. And even when you're, you know, you're still in and aside from LinkedIn, the military takes you all over the world, all over the country. Mm. Um, you know, have some business cards. That's I started doing that about two years out. I had business cards and it was like rescue specialist on it. And I started passing those out. And that really assisted in, you know, go place, meet somebody professional. And then I have something uh, professional to show, you know. That's, yeah. that's another great way. Social media is really one of those avenues that people overlook. Things like Instagram, Twitter, mm -hmm. Facebook, all those types of things that you would never think about that could really be uh, networking opportunities. And that's actually how you're growing your business. As you mentioned, the first thing you did, Facebook page, you know, setting up the website, those types of things. And, you know, that's, that's again, how people are going to start reaching out to you. Hey, what is this veteran-owned UK? Okay, I go to the website. I, I find out more about it through Google. Then I find their Facebook page. I decide to start following that. You start bringing up uh, information occasionally that hits my feed. I start noticing what's going on there. Yeah. I get more engaged and get, you know, start following it. it it's just a process. Uh, but yeah, it is. And, and you know, the, the world's a, a small place these days now, Robert, yes. with, with this type of technology. And, uh, I mean... Before I started Veteran-Owned UK, I, I had a social media um, footprint, if you like, but it was a very small one. It was a personal Facebook account, um, a personal Instagram account with about four posts on it. And so I, I kind of had to learn that on again on the run, you know, and our, our Instagram account at the minute now is, is we're, we're up to 13,500 people in, in kind of four months. And that's that's really kicking off. And we, we do a daily post every day with a military-type um, uh, picture with some kind of business tie-in then with the comments on it, you know, and how how a military scenario or instance or, or something can relate to uh, a business um, tie-in. And we try and push that and, it's having great feedback, you know, and it's it's the interaction part of it I like then when somebody comes on and comments and you can have a conversation with them or they'll reach out and send you a, a private message. And, and I, I've met some outstanding people like yourselves, you know, in in just over five months now from, from all over the world. Scott in, in, in Australia, another great guy, uh, Phil Hayes-St. Clair, who, um, who uh, I've been talking to yeah. again in Australia you know, and it, it's all through technology and, and social media, really. And it does make the world such a small place now. And, you know, we, we there's, there's two of you in the U.S., I'm in the U.K., and we're having a conversation, a three-way conversation, you know, and it's it's simple now. It's easy these days, and it, yeah. everybody's got access to it, and it makes the world a lot smaller place. I mean, how does somebody get involved with Better Known U.K., and what is what is really the – 
Um, what is it that veteran-owned UK is offering to the veterans, or now even to the private sector uh, companies, civilian companies that want to get engaged and actually market to the the veterans? What what is it that they're getting involved in when they come to veteran-owned UK? Well, we've we've kind of got two two halves to it, I guess, um, Robert. So there's the the veteran-owned business side of it, where what we're aiming to do is to be. A, a, a single point of contact, if you like, the go-to web page. Uh, we we got a um, used to have a telephone directory in the UK called the Yellow Pages. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you have some oh, yeah. So we want to be like the web equivalent of the Yellow Pages for veteran-owned businesses. So if any any member of the public or any veteran wants to support uh, a veteran, they can go to to our website and they can search them by business category and find somebody who's, who's running a business that's either supplying the product that they want to buy or the service that they, they need to use. Um, and they can use a veteran to do that. And and then what that does then, it directly supports that veteran by putting revenue into their, into their business. So, you know, it, it's a little boost, if you like, in these tough economic times and this, this climate. And it really does help somebody who's, who's, running a business and particularly a small business because you're not paying for a, a, a CEO to, to have a, a multi-million dollar, a multi-million pound bonus. You're paying for somebody to, to pay the mortgage, to, to buy their kids school uniforms or to put a new set of tires on the car or whatever it is, you know, those everyday bills that are important to, to people. And, and when you're running your own business and particularly a small business, those things that you you fight in every day to 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 make you know so that's that's kind of the 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 veteran side of it but then we've got the non-veteran owned directory side of it then as well so we've we've got this this traffic now we're starting to build coming through the website so uh, some of it is veteran uh, and some of it is civilian people so we've we've created a a non-veteran owned business directory which gives Businesses the opportunity to show their support for veterans. So you can only go in there if you offer um, either a discount to a, a, somebody who's still serving in the military or who's a veteran or an additional benefit. For example, if you buy something, you get something else free or buy one, get one half price or whatever the, the, the product you're selling or the service you're selling. It needs to have that additional benefit for somebody who's served or is serving. And then once you prove that you, you've got that service, then they can go into the directory as well. So when somebody comes along to the directory, if they're civilian, they can look at the, the veteran-owned directory. But if you're a, a veteran or serving military and you're on the website, you can also look at supporting your fellow veterans by putting um, money their way, if you like, by using their businesses. But also if you can't find a business that uh, is run by a veteran, then you can look on the non-veteran-owned business side of things then and try and save yourself a little bit of money or get something extra for the same price as going to somewhere else. Now, is this a cost so, to the veteran uh, that's actually going in to, to re- you know, review or view the vet directory, or is this uh, no cost to no, them? No, I, I, everything's completely um, free, Robert. So, you know, to, to get in the website, there's, there's, there's no login details or anything. You purely go into... Uh, the home page and click through to the directories, veteran-owned directories, and then it's listed out by business category. So for veterans who want to come and list on our directory, um, standard membership will always be free, you know, and that's what we were all about when we started, is to try and 
um, support veterans by getting them all listed in this this one website. So the the membership is is free. We do offer a paid for membership, uh, a premium membership, which is is just fifty pounds for twelve months. So it's less than a pound a week, um, and that gets you some some extra benefits uh, like a logo. Uh, a larger write-up. Uh, we put m- multiple links in there then to your website, email address, um, social media accounts, those type of things. So it does, if you pay, it does get you extra benefits. But uh, like I said, it'll always be free um, at, at the basic level for veterans to, to list their, um, their businesses in directory. And again, we should state this is a business anywhere. So if you're listening to this podcast or wherever you may be, if you're a veteran-owned business or you're a business that's wanting to reach out and talk to veterans, this is a the you know this is a place to go. I mean, this is the the way to market your wear and get uh, out there with a ready-made audience. And as you mentioned, as an entrepreneur, that's one of the hardest things to do is keep a business operating at the same time, trying to grow the business by getting the information to the right market. And so you got a ready-made market right here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we. Just, I think it was Boxing Day, the the twenty sixth of December. We just passed thirty thousand unique visitors through the website um, in 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 just four months. So uh, December alone was ten and a half thousand unique visitors. So traffic is is definitely ramping up, and you know ten and a half thousand potential customers, uh, potential new customers in a month is is a great audience to be put in front of uh, and you know whilst we we've got the the veteran-owned directory for uk people we've also got then the allied country veteran-owned directory which is where people like combat, combat flip-flops and, and breach pen are sitting in then so it it allows foreign foreign to the uk if you like businesses to get a foothold into the uk market because if they were to try and do it themselves you've got to start that online presence from scratch and from zero uh you're not physically on the ground in the country so you don't have the contacts or um, know which website and and which groups within facebook or uh which certain sets of people on twitter um can help you move your traffic um from your social media accounts into your website so you're literally starting from scratch but by coming and, and listing with us and by us helping you then, you're getting into that ready-made um, traffic set that's looking for veteran-owned businesses. So it's almost your audience is made for you. And we've we've had some, some U.S. companies come in this week um, and they signed up with us, I think it was saturday or sunday and then by monday they'd already had three customers who they were talking to about doing business we hadn't even put the listing up on the website yet it was purely by getting into our we got a networking group within our facebook page that's only for business owners Mm -hmm. or those looking to start up business um and you know within two days of just being in that group he was already talking to to three people, and uh, he's a web developer, so it, it's you know remote access. They have a conversation over Skype about what they want to do. Um, he goes away, looks at the website, does whatever he needs to do, sends uh, some emails back and forth with "This is what I've done." So it, it's completely viable um, solution to have the the client in the UK and the supplier in 
the US or wherever it is, you know, like I said, the, the world's a lot smaller place now than it used to be. Yeah, it's like breach band. I mean, you're utilizing the same thing. We just mentioned that as well. And in your case, Brian, you know, you can take advantage to hitting a whole new marketplace outside of the US and it opens up a whole new world for you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked to take advantage of this with you, Scott. Yeah, we, 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 we're getting there, Brian. We're trying. I spent, we're working uh, it. I spent about a year in the um, the survival equipment uh, manufacturing industry, so I got a couple of contacts that we're trying to get Brian in with uh, and get him some meetings and get his product uh, across their desks, basically. Well, that's another important factor because we're not just talking about placing the logo on a website or your information. That's part of it. But once you start creating this network, as you just described earlier, of other organizations that you're reaching out and talking to, you start building that kind of uh, relationship with them where they start helping you and going to, Hey Scott, I didn't realize that that's what you're looking for. Let me see. I've got somebody that knows somebody and all of a sudden the world becomes a lot smaller uh, because you know, we're all about seven degrees apart from one another anyway, in many cases. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it, that's, that's one of the things we do at veteran owned UK with that the, there's other veteran owned directories in the UK now that there wasn't when I started, but there's, there's three of us now. And uh, the, the two other ones have come online after uh, myself a veteran old UK but what we do we, we'll actively look for work for the businesses as well so within the the, the daily life of veteran old UK and all the social media side of things if we if we see something that we can link somebody into we'll go and, and chase that down for them and say look um, like I've done with Brian and, and you know we, I've, I know somebody who's got this great product um, can I connect you up with them and we'll, we'll set up a connection via emails or social media or telephone uh, exchange whatever it is and we'll actively look for work referrals for you and we don't charge anything for doing that you know it's we're all about veterans supporting other veterans and and helping each other out and if if we don't do it who's going to do it for us you know what words of wisdom would you impart to those uh, fellow veterans that are coming off, those folks that are transitioning off active duty today? What are some of those things and lessons learned that you've experienced that you could impart or share with them? Don't don't expect anybody else to do it for you, I guess. You know, you, you've got to get out there and, and work for it yourself. And just because you've served in the military, some people get the misconception that the world owes you a living. You know, when you're going to come out of the military and and you're going to go to a job interview and you're going to say, I, I spent eight years in the army and I was a, an EOD uh, engineer and I've done this and I've done that. And in reality, it, it doesn't, it means zero to people in the civilian world, you know, and you've got to physically work for it and you've got to get your CV right. You've got to get, speak to people who are already out about what, you know, what CVs in particular kind of go through themes, if you like, and, find out what's 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 the way to do it currently at the minute how do you get into um have a, a good cv that'll get you a job interview use your networking linkedin is such an invaluable tool you know and start connecting with people in the industry you want to go into and, and work um but i, I think uh, the most important one for somebody coming out of the military is really sit down and have a think about what you want to do when you get out. Because we kind of, when we get out, we've all got this idea of, uh, I'm, I, w- I want to go and do close protection or security or whatever it is. And, and in reality, in, in the UK, 
for a long time there was a lot of jobs available for military personnel and it was fairly easy to get into um, doing communications network cabling you know and there was uh, a fairly quick course to do and the money was paying really well and people were jumping at that hand over fist and, and plowing into that industry but the industry is just completely saturated now so if, if you've got it in your head that you, you're going to find a job easy because you've been in the military, you know, that you're going to have a, a big surprise, really. And that's, that's often not the case. And it, it happened for some, absolutely, you know, when they, they walk into a job. But a, a lot of things, I think the biggest tip I can give is uh, the old saying of it's not what you know, it's who you know is important. It goes back to uh, that network again. Yeah, absolutely, and that comes back to LinkedIn and the network there, and, and it's it's key really. And if you want to go and work for a particular company, get on LinkedIn and work it like a, a demon, you know, and and start getting into put that business name into the search bar, start connecting with people from the top down, you know, from yeah. from the CEO down to the 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 janitor. It doesn't matter if as long as somebody's in that business, connect with them because you can speak to them about how the business is, what things they, they're looking for in people. You yeah, and I, I, I would love to add just like start the second that you think that you're going to get out of the military or even if you don't think you're going to get out, like spend 10 to 15 minutes, not even like five, five, 10, however, however long you want every day, just yeah. networking the next job, talking to somebody, yeah. looking for opportunities, you know, beefing up the LinkedIn profile, whatever it is. Um, start now because then it just opens up as you get closer to the possible transition, you know, I'm out and now what's next. You have a slew of options. You have tons of the work done and you can just hit the ground running. Um, and that's, that's something that really paid dividends for me and my transition with the business, you know, the business and being an entrepreneur was plan a, um, but there was also a BCD, um, for my transition if things didn't work out but they have. So, you know, start now. What uh, is the best way that people can reach out and find out more about Veteran Owned UK, both in social media and on your website? How can they find you? I mean, well, across social media, so we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, um, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn. Just simply put in the search bar Veteran Owned UK, uh, and that'll take you along to, to us then. Um, the website is wwwveteran owned dot uk um you know go go over there and have a good look around and we've got loads of good stuff going on there besides the directory you know we've got three great directories there but we've also got um uh, a literature section for veteran authors that we've got some great authors in there um we've got a good causes section that that kind of supports people who are doing great things and um there's 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 a great um uh event going on coming up now at the end of the month with um, uh, a gentleman called Dean Stott, who's a former uh, British um, Special Forces guy with the SBS, who's doing, he's planning to cycle the Pan-American Highway, which is about 14,000 miles from uh, South America right the way up through um, the North America. And he's planning on breaking the world record, I think it's 110 days and 15 hours. So he's got a massive challenge on his hands. So Dean's going to kick that off um, on the back end of the month. I think it's the 29th. So he starts that challenge. So, you know, we support people like that. He's, he's raising, uh, raise, he's planning to raise a million pounds for um, 
a charity group, if you like. It's a set of um, mental health um, charities called Heads Together, which is kind of fronted by Prince Harry and Prince William here in the UK. So, it's, cool. uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good challenge. So definitely come along the website and, and go on the Good Causes section and check out uh, Dean and the other guys there and what they're doing. Thanks for coming on, man, taking time out of your schedule to join us on the show for sure. You're doing Thanks good, for good me. stuff over there for sure, and I know that it's going to really take off. And, again, I hope that a lot of the, the folks that are listening here in the U.S. actually who want to be an entrepreneur are actually uh, entrepreneurs now in some kind of business or a veteran-owned business or reach – reach out to you as soon as possible to try to get connected in some way, especially if it's free. This is it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what have you got to lose if it's free? Hey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number 4 mil at SkeletonOptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.